Evening, Matt. Hello, Matt. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good this week. Thanks. Yourself? Yes, I'm also very good too. There's a bit of uh, lightness in the air. The day's getting a bit longer. There's a sun's in the sky a little bit later. And uh, and there seems to be a bit of a light at the end of this COVID tunnel as well. So I'm starting to feel um, a little bit more optimistic. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's nice to hear. We've got the opening for golf again at the end of the month too, or end of next month, haven't we? So lighter nights, more time to, to hit a few. That's right. Yeah, lighter nights and uh, and better weather and longer days and uh, and and at some stage in the horizon a, a pint in the hand too, which would be absolutely uh, welcome relief. So um, let's uh, let's talk uh, golf. Welcome back to Man in the Stand, uh, the golf special that we run every Wednesday night, um, where we well, where Matt, uh, whose Twitter handle is f o r e underscore bet. Uh, and I go through uh, our golf picks from the previous weekend and look ahead to the uh, to the coming weekend. Um, and I do this in conjunction with Star Sports. So let me just um, talk first of all about uh, uh, the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. What a uh, what a great tournament it was! Again, it never fails to deliver for Genesis. It's a great. Uh, tournament for the fact that the course is so interesting, the the finish is always close, and um, and, and it was a really fascinating um, uh, conclusion. Um, I think it was really interesting for the fact that uh, you and I sort of laughed with each other during the week um, because uh, Sam Burns just popped out to such a lead, uh, and on the by the Friday was was ahead by by the end of Friday was ahead by five shots. Which in professional golf standards is still a long way to go in the tournament, but five shots uh, is on the on the field is 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 pretty handy advantage. Um, but you you know have always sort of as you've alluded to in the past sort of um, thought that Sam Sam Burns sort of suffers from a bit of um, weekenditis, and I have been um, plugging Sam Burns for the last sort of on and off for the last few weeks because I kind of believe in this young guy, but uh, I I faded him this week because I got tired of him kind of capitulating in the weekend. So when he sprung out to a five-shot lead on Friday afternoon at uh, Riviera, I just thought, oh, that would be <laughs> absolutely spot on. That would be totally on the money. The, the week that I fade this guy, he goes out and bolts in by five to ten shots. But it wasn't to be, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, yeah, I was. I was right there with you. I was. I was furious with myself for most of Thursday and Friday, um, having written about him at Pebble in very, very endearing terms about how we haven't seen his ceiling yet, and he's capable of massive things. He's got brilliant tee to green numbers, um, and then obviously I backed him at forties at Pebble, where he, he disappointed, and he was more than double the price, um, and he backed up those numbers. I was so impressed with Sam Burns. Um, yeah. Thursday, Friday, obviously, he shot the lowest round of the day of the whole field on both Thursday and Friday and just kept sticking it to five feet. I couldn't believe the consistency of his approach game, particularly on Friday when yeah. others were struggling around him and he just seemed to not notice any of it. I think he played a chip shot from off the green on number six, I think. That was almost superhuman. And it's at that point you just start to think it's going to be his week and he's going to win by six or seven. Um, I think... It's actually feel for him in a way because he didn't play dreadfully to shoot two under around Riviera on Sunday. It's respectable. Um, but I don't know whether you watched it. There was early in the back nine, 
he hit a horrible duck hook off the tee and it looked yeah. like it'd been lost. He looked like yeah. it went into some gardens and bushes and it looked for all the world that he was going to be playing three off the tee. In fact, yeah. it didn't happen to bounce out, but that seemed to be the turning point where he looked a bit rattled from that point in. I agree with you. I, he looked so comfortable on the on the Friday. I know I watched most of his round on the Friday and he looked just like he was going out for a Sunday hit with the lads. Like he looked really mm. um, comfortable, uh, relaxed. He was playing another game. He, as you say, he was sticking it around the pin all the time. He was putting beautifully, and I and uh, I thought, okay, this is really ominous. And uh, that, that, that was when I could have um, gone out and played in some oncoming traffic because I just thought, don't do, <laughs> you know, don't do this to me now, Sam. When you're uh, what was he spot? Did he start the tournament at? I think he was at 80 or 90 to 1 or something. Yeah, like I think he was uh, 100s I saw on some cards. Um, and, yeah, yeah. And I just thought, no, please, God, no. Um, <laughs> you know, and then, um, uh, but as you say, when he duck, I did see that duck hook into the bushes and how that ball ended up outside on the grass where it did, I have no idea. It was just, it was like someone threw it back out there. It's um, dead, didn't it? Yeah, and I just thought, oh, uh, this is uh, what a stroke of luck. He's he's very lucky. But uh, even late on Saturday, when they had that weather delay and they had all that kind of, um, they had to, they finished very late and it was very very cold and still windy. Uh, Sam Burns at that stage, I began to look at him and think, mm, you're not enjoying this. Uh, you, you're looking. Uh, everyone was pretty cold and tired by that stage, but he looked especially uh, frazzled on on Saturday afternoon. And I thought, yeah, okay, I don't. I'm not so worried now. I don't. I, know, I don't know if you are going to win this, Sam Burns. And then um, when he started out on the Sunday, I I looked at him once again, and he looked a new man again. A good night's sleep. The weather was better. Everything was kind of you know all was in its place, and and the world was put to rights. And I thought. He's back in the zone. He feels he looks comfortable again. But as the round wore on, and he was just playing par golf, where and was, the pins were tough, and people, lots of people were struggling. Um, but he kind of looked okay, looked fine. But as he rounded the corner for home, he just started to. You just saw him to start to tense up around sort of eight and nine, and and. Yeah, then the kind of the the fear came over him a little bit, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I think what impressed me most about Sam Burns for the first couple of days, um, the first three days, really, when you back Sam Burns, you know he's got good tee to green numbers. You know he's an excellent putter, but he yeah. hasn't got good scrambling figures. He's not good around the greens. And I think that, more than anything, was what impressed me for the first few days. He kept getting up and down when he was missing greens. And he didn't miss many, granted. But there were several up and downs, and you looked at the likes of Bryson and Thomas really struggling um, to get up and down and making quite big numbers. And every time he missed a green, he knocked it to three or four feet, rolled the putt in, and it was just stress-free for, for Burns backers. But yeah, I agree. He did seem to sort of realise the winning post was in sight and run a bit green late on Sunday, um, which is understandable yeah. given the given that it was Tony who was charging. Um, and yeah. I think two unders, not, not a disgrace at all, but... When you look at the the top five, top six on Sunday, they're shooting four under, five under, six under, seven under. And ultimately, he just didn't quite have the class to see it out. But, I mean, taking nothing away from him, I don't think he'll see 100 to 1 for a while again. No, no, I don't think he will either. 
so but he's not the only story i mean uh, let's so let's go on to the actual drama that unfolded uh and the actual um in the wash-up because i mean and i'm gonna try i'm not gonna try and ramble on too long because it, it's a big long story so i'm gonna sort of put my five cents in and i'll hand it over to you but yeah. i mean so as you say let, let's actually go uh i'll go through the actual winning order here max homer uh is the genesis invitational champion at riviera he won uh out on uh 12 under um for the for the um for the uh, 70, um, 72 holes five under for the for the final round tony Finau, a barnstorming seven under final round um got into a playoff with um homer was actually holding the clubhouse lead uh and uh and uh homer missed an absolute sitter on the 18th green to um which i just thought oh my god you would have been sick in your mouth at that stage if you were max homer <laughs> but he um uh, so it was so it came down to um, Tony Finau and Max Homer for a playoff. Sam Burns went around uh, and, and, and and finished in third alone with a final round two under to finish on 11 under, one straight back from Finau and Homer and had his chance as well to get into that playoff but couldn't convert on the 18th. Uh, Cameron Smith, uh, another good solid round from Cameron Smith, um, four round, uh, four under on the final round to finish in a tight, sorry, not sorry, finish alone in, in, in fourth and nine under and he had his chances as well. He he, his putter didn't fire on Sunday in the way it usually does, and he, he actually played relatively poorly. I actually thought to, um, but still finished and did well to finish, um, as I say, in fourth on on nine under. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, there was a whole bunch tied for fifth: uh, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, and um, so uh, they all finished um, tied on uh, seven under for the tournament. So let's go back up to the top of the leaderboard and actually uh, to uh, this. Incredible uh, finish from uh, Max Homer and Tony Finau. Uh, give me your um, thoughts and impressions of it. Um, so, I mean, we can start on 18, I guess. There was a lot of drama even before the playoff began. Um, I thought I'd, I was following the Betfair market quite religiously. Just It was very interesting to see the swings. Uh, and firstly, I think both for Tony and Max, for different reasons, their drives down 18 originally were absolutely sparkling. Um, both of yeah. them hit true drives, sort of got themselves right down there and give themselves a chance on 18. Now, obviously, Tony, um, for those who didn't see, sort of, he must have been hitting in probably a, an eight iron into into 18. It's a long haul, but he, he'd broken the back of it with the driver and he pulled it short left and left it in the rough. He must mm. have had about, I don't know, about 20, 30 yards. It was, it, was it was a poor shot, wasn't it, mate? It was, it was unforgivable almost because the pin was on fairly far over to the left anyway. Um, and there was just no reason to, to miss it short or left. He's got to put himself on the green and give himself a putt now. As it happens, he hit a, a, another brilliant chip shot to two feet and had a stress-free par in the end. But I think that told me a lot about how Tony was feeling. I thought he was going to win it at that point just because yeah, in the me past, too. he wouldn't have got up and down from there. Then obviously Max yeah. um, hit another beautiful drive and hit the shot of the day, sort of in that pressure, needing a birdie to get in the playoff um, and just hit an absolutely perfect. I think it must have been an eight that he hit and popped, what, three, three and a half feet from the pin. Um, yeah. And he actually had a putt that had a little bit of break in it still, um, which with the hole where it is, unless you uh, split the green on the other side, you're always going to have a little right to lefter. And I thought for all the world, until it missed, it was in. Um, even it was sort of irking just to the left, wasn't it? And I thought it was yeah. in all the way um, until it sort of caught the left lip and lipped out. And at that point, you look at Homer, who's obviously, he's won before, but this is his home event. It's massive for him. And he just looked dejected really I thought I thought that again that was game over and it was Tony's um but 
yeah, wasn't wasn't to be. Um, and then and then when he, and then and then they go into the um, the first uh, playoff hole and and Max Homer sticks it right against a tree trunk on that drivable par four tenth, which I I saw your tweet. You have you had some feelings about that whether that was actually the best hole to actually put a playoff on. Um, so in a minute, I want you to kind of talk me through your feelings about that. But I mean, for Max Homer to lose not lose, but to to have to go into a playoff instead of actually win the tournament outright on the 18th hole by lipping out from about three feet. Yes, it was a tricky putt, but still, you know, these pros should, you know, you'd think you make, if you put 10 balls in front of him, he would have made nine of those. Um, and so he, he, you know, feeling pretty ill about the whole thing in the playoff with Tony Fino on the drivable par for 10th. Uh, and he, it's a pretty decent shot, but it's a bit of a lottery around the, the top of the green and the throat of the um, fairway and the bunker system on that top half or tenth gets a bad bounce and hits rolls right up to the trunk of a tree. Uh, and I thought, when I saw that initially, I thought, game over. It's over. It's done. Tony Fenel wins. Uh, and Fenel uh, went and hit his shot um, and was uh, a nice you know, a pretty simple chip um, up onto the green from uh, from just off the off, uh, you know just off the fairway. So it was it was a fairly sort of simple standard sort of um, routine uh, uh, you know shot for for Finau and an incredibly difficult shot and uh, for not impossible for Homer. Then he gets up to the hole, the up to the green. Then then you see, oh, okay. Well, it's not as impossible as we think because. He uh, he has to he has a swing at it, but he's going to have to come out sideways, and he'll have to hit the shot of his life to get it on the green. Um, but he has a swing at least, and he hits the shot of his life uh, to hit you know to let, trundle it up on the green and actually have a putt for birdie, which I thought was incredible. Uh, and and they, and they both go on to par that hole. So what what are your thoughts about that drivable par four tenth being the playoff hole? Man? So I mean, I dislike it. I love the hole. I think it's brilliant in general play. But I'm not a big fan as a playoff hole, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I think 96% of players go for the green. I think in a playoff, 100% of them are going to go for the green. That's not in question. It's yeah. about three. It plays between 290 and 320, depending on where they put the team. Um, and whenever they play that hole, players are just going to have a thrash at it. And because of the nature, if you go over, over the green or over right of the green, you're dead. You're not getting up and down. Um, it's just not going to happen. So because of that, players just have a thrash at it. And I don't mind if that's a precision layup and they're trying to hit it to an exact spot. The perfect spot is on the fairway just to the left of the green um, or on the green, which is almost impossible. Um, but because of the nature of that, players are just going to hit it. They're going to have a thrash with a three wood, with a cut driver for some of them maybe, and they're going to leave it somewhere to the left of the green 99 times out of 100, um, unless you call it. Yeah. And I think the problem with that is there's not really a skill because in getting to left of the green, they're going to need ground help. They're going to hit some trees. They're going to bounce through rough. It's a complete gamble. Um, and I think it's brilliant in general play. It brings a bit of excitement. You can make anything from a from a two to an eight on that hole. But in a playoff, it's kind of like luck of the draw, which you saw when Max, I thought he was stymied against the tree. I thought there was no chance he could get a swing on it. Um, as it happens, he could get to it right-handed and hit a beautiful shot, bumped it into the bank, turning his hands over as he hit the ball. Um, absolutely brilliant. Mm. But I think it just took a bit of skill out of it. It took a bit of, it was, I was glad they both parted in the end because I thought it would be a shame if that was what cost the tournament and that's what finished it off. Um, but I think it's just, mm. 
you if you look at the scatter of like 120 tee shots on the 10th hole um through through a day on thursday they're all much of a muchness the vast majority are centered around this patch either in the rough or on the fairway just off the green but whether you're in the rough the fairway or otherwise you've not done that on purpose it's just random chance for me obviously there is some measure of skill and a couple of players hit absolutely brilliant three woods but the the impact of luck and the the level at which it affects where you end up is a bit too much for me and maybe that's a, a bit of a high horse to get on it's only a playoff hall I understand that but I would have just preferred if they put them on one of the harder par fours to really have to get a solid drive away and hit a good, a good approach to have to have a shot at birdie but that's just me and what do you think of this new ruling that PGA have talked about now this week where uh, when they go into playoffs now, it's not going to be drawn out of a hat. The, the, the playoff uh, order of play will be first in the house, plays off first. Do you have any feelings about that? Not really, I don't think. Um, obviously, if you didn't play, if you'd probably want to play first, wouldn't you? And I guess that, that rewards a low round on Sunday, if anything. Um, so if you've gone lower down yeah. the board and you got into a playoff by jumping up the board... Fair play, but I think there's a lot made of who goes first and second. And most of the time, unless the person before you makes a drastically bad shot or horrible error, um, then it's not that important, which is also nice because Max hit hit second, didn't he? So I guess that's it would have maybe been a really interesting watch if Fino had watched Max hit that shot, not quite knowing where it was and how mm. he would then attack the hole. Mm. I, I, yeah, I, my feelings about that new rule change are not particularly strong either, but. I do like the drama of, of when they get up and uh, and have to actually draw the ball out of the hat. Uh, I, I do like that little bit added bit of theatre, and I'll and I'll kind of miss that on playoffs. But um, but anyway, it's as I say, it's six one half a dozen the other. Now the they go on to the uh, to the par three. I can't remember 14. the, num- the number of the whole fourteen. Yeah, so the par three fourteenth and. And once again, Tony um, hits a, 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 a relatively poor shot uh, and, and ends up in the bunker. Uh, and, um, and and Max, uh, he goes a little bit long on the dance. He stays on the dance floor, doesn't yeah. he? And they, um, they both pulled their shots, yeah. though, without question. Um, obviously, Tony yeah. was probably the yeah. worst approach he hit all day. He must have been hitting all day. Dance. Yeah, apart from the. Um, Apart from the 18th, yeah. But sorry, carry he's, on. Yeah, he's got about 30 yards left, so it's not just a, an up and down out the bunker. It's sort of you've got to cover 20 yards of sand first to try and get up and left himself about 15 feet, didn't he? Um, and then Max, there's yeah. absolutely no chance that's where Max was aiming. Um, he, he pulled it much closer to the bunker. I thought he was going to try and hit middle of the green and give himself two putts for par to win it. Hmm. Mm. And and uh, so you know, as you say, um, you know, Max gets up not relatively close, and and and, and Fino leaves himself fifteen feet out of the bunker, and with too much work to do, um, because we, you know, when that happened, I thought, oh, okay, uh, this is bad for Tony because we know how fragile he is with the putter, and I actually think that he's actually, I think the work he's doing with Brad Faxon has really paid off, or, or is paying off, and I think he's looking much better with the putter now than he has for for quite some time. So uh I think he's I think he's going somewhere with that putter and I think it's working for him. And uh that was a tough putt he ha- he had to get. It wasn't impossible, it was mm-hmm. it was makeable. Uh and actually if anything, Tony's always been guilty of underpowering it and letting it try and die into the hole and being a little bit too timid and a bit too cautious. And with this last one at Riviera on this playoff on this par three, he actually powered it through the break and actually and hit it actually almost too firmly. Uh, and I, I wonder if that was a, a thing of, I'm not going to 
die wondering here you know um i'm gonna i'm gonna run it to the hole and see and uh and and perhaps you just push it a bit hard but no criticism on tony i thought he played really really well i thought max homer was deserved champion um he played really well i i, I tweeted out early on, on sunday myself before the round started i said just got a little feeling about max homer i i he, he'd been trucking away um all week he pl- he played very well the week before He'd been, he'd been playing very well at Riviera in the first three rounds. I thought he wasn't doing anything spectacular, especially on Saturday. He was hanging on for grim life like everyone else was. But I just thought, oh, I think Homer could be okay on, on Sunday. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, so it proved. But, I mean, that's, um, that's not exactly Einstein. You can see he was, uh, you know, he, he loves the course. He was in good form. And, uh, and he just lasted. He made the least mistakes. Really, yeah, I think I've changed my opinion of Max Homer this week. Um, he's always a golfer that I've kind of scoffed at when I see him at prices like 41, 50 to 1, 60 to 1, in that I just don't think yeah. in the past I've not thought he's that good a golfer, um, which he wasn't a couple of years ago. And I guess that's a reflection of me needing to to update my opinions more regularly. Um, so he, I was never close to backing him last week, but my opinion of him is now changed because actually in contention, he was great um, and his approach numbers were brilliant. And yeah, I was really impressed with Max Homer this the, the week entirely, um, but especially on Sunday. So it's, yeah, something for me to think about next time he turns up at that sort of price. Yeah, I've never been a, uh, a massive Max Homer backer. In fact, I, I don't know if I ever have. Um, uh, but, uh, but there was something I saw in him the week before and he had an interview afterwards and he said, I've been, you know, I'm I'm working really hard, uh, and uh, and I'm really happy with where my game is. I'm 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 getting somewhere in this in my game at the moment, and I'm really confident and happy with where it is uh, from all the hard work I put in. So I thought, okay, he's, uh, you know, he, he's on he's a man on a, on a bit of a trajectory, and uh, I'm I'm with you. I'm going to have to um, take him a little bit more seriously mm-hmm. now because that's two PGA Tour wins across the last two years. So that's good. I mean, some players will struggle to get one in their entire career. So he's um, to, to to get two across two years is, you know, is, is good. More wins than and Tony Fino. <laughs> yeah, more wins than Tony Fino exactly. And he's and he's plenty long, Homer. You know, he's he's plenty long off the tee. So there's no problem with that. He's, his game is is very solid. Doesn't have, have seemed to be a lot of um, um, weaknesses, and he doesn't seem to suffer from nerves. I think he likes the competition. You know, this is I think the thing. With the golfers, isn't it? At the end of the day, Matt, you you can see it. This is su- this is why it's such a fascinating game to watch and to bet on. It's so mental this game, and, and and you can see the players who enjoy the fight, and you can see the players who don't like it as much. Um, and um, and I would put the what Max Homer in the in the category of a guy that he enjoys it. He likes the he likes the fight. He likes the pressure. Yeah, I'd agree. So, he just looks like he's enjoying himself all the time, doesn't he? Even. Um, between eighteen yeah. and the playoff, he was just on the range, tapping away on his um on his phone, sort of just. I guess he's a new breed of golfer, just doesn't seem to to feel the pressure like some. Um, and he always just looks like he's having a good time. And um, I'm not sure. I listen to No Laying Up podcast, which is great. And Max Homer is sort of a friend of the show, and they've done various things with him. Um, and he's had some journey yeah. to get where he is, but he just seems to to really value and understand that he's very lucky to be in the position that he's in and be that good at golf and sort of making the most of it. So. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, financially, uh, I, I just my my bets were um, pretty much 
disastrous apart from one. So uh, Bubba Watson absolutely oh, was cack. I'm, I think I'm. I think Bubba Watson looks fried. I, I I went with him on course experience, thinking that you know he's won three times at Riviera. Um, he he'll, he'll enjoy going around there again, and 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 that'll be good for his confidence. He looked completely cooked. I think he looks mentally shot. And uh, I, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to touch Bubba Watson with a barge pole for a long time until I see him um, get a little bit more confident again, because he looks nowhere near the old Bubba. Xander uh, Chauflay um, once again um, flattered to deceive, and, uh, and as I said, we'll, we'll talk about him in the, in the, in the, in the upcoming um, tournament this week. Um, then I had my my return, which was um, Cameron Smith. I was very happy with Cameron Smith at seventy five to one. That was that was at least uh, that 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 made that that washed my face basically for the week. So I, I ended up you know coming out square. So I'm okay with that. Uh, and Jason Kokrak, who I who who I was really excited about uh, until the third round, where he just absolutely capitulated, and he went even worse on the fourth round. Um, so I, so he went from right up the top of the leaderboard or near the top to um, and, you know r- right behind Sam Burns at one stage to to way out the back door. So uh, Cameron Smith was my only kind of result. Uh, so at least yeah, no congratulations on Smith. He was a decent price too. Um, yeah, I can I can run through my bets. Unfortunately, I had a poor week. Um, I have some sad stories, some bad luck ones, um, and I can moan all I want, but. Ultimately, my gamble on Johnson didn't pay off. I backed him at a very short price. I backed him with more money than I perhaps should have. Um, and he was right there. Um, I think I thought he was going to win um, when they did. The... Yeah, what, what, what I think he mailed it in. Like I think he realised he wasn't going to win. Um, but unlike Sam Burns, he just he kept making bogeys really bad times. Uh, and number one, so this is my main bad luck story about Johnson. Uh, hole one at, at Riviera is about a 500-yard par five. Um, and if you'd asked me at the start of the week, Johnson in four goals at that hole, what is he going to shoot? If you'd have told me it was only one under, I'd have been very, very surprised. Um, basically, he just, everyone was making birdies and eagles on that hole. And every round, he just couldn't make the most of it. Um, he played the par fives poorly all week. Um, and he just kept making bogeys at the bad time and sort of getting into it and then not quite. But even on early doors Sunday, I thought it was there for the taking. He got to two back after about four holes. And I thought, you know what? He's just going to win this on the bridle and not worry about them. But a couple of bad bogeys. And at that point, he just gave up. I think it was hole 10 where he put it just behind a tree and hit the most undusting like shot I've ever seen. Tried to chip it onto the green and just hit a branch of a tree that he should never have been near. Oh, yeah. That, I remember he that. kind of yeah. just, yeah, like I say, mailed it in, made a couple of bad bogeys and finished T8th in the end, um, which was was poor. Um, and then I have a couple of old golfers who did had entirely opposite weeks. Um, Neiman was right up there. First few rounds, he was a couple back. But mm. he just had a horror show of a Saturday. Um, he shot, he was about eight over, nine over at one point on Saturday. And then he did. He responded and shot a decent round on Sunday. But I mean, he just, his confidence was shot. He was hit, must have hit 10 holes and not hit it bet- into about 30 yards of the flag with his approach which was shocking because he'd been really good on Thursday and Friday. Um, and then Morikawa, um, he, he was three over through two holes on Thursday um, in the morning wave, and that kind of set the tone. Now, I'm going to talk a bit more about Morikawa when we get on to concession, um, but he was just, he used the new claw grip. For those of you who watched, he used the saw grip, and it was just, it was like a comedy sketch, parts of it. Um, he just could not buy a putt. Um I never really got into it. He did play much better over the weekend, but still the putter never quite cooperated. 
I had a negligible bit of money back. I backed Matt Neesmith as a top 20. Um, and he, at one point, when he got in the house, he was about T15th and was going to get a full payout. But then a few more had good finishes and it was it it split it up a little bit. So, yeah, all in all, a poor week. But let's look, look this way. Yeah, I, I was watching Colin Morikawa. I, I know exactly what you're saying about his changed putter group. I was thinking, what are you doing, Colin? You... You're a great putter. You, why are you, why are you changing your putting grip? And it, as you say, it looked so cat-handed and so awkward, and and he was putting so ugly. And uh, I, I just thought, no, don't do this, mate. You, 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 you had nothing. You have nothing to worry about. You remember at the memorial last year, he was draining mm-hmm. them from everywhere. Uh, and uh, and I just, I mean, he's always been a, a really. I've always. Rated Morikawa as one of the most solid putters in the game at the moment. So I, I can't understand for yeah, the life I think of me. The what issue with Morikawa, I mean, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. I think he's not a very good putter. Now, the problem with Morikawa is he he puts well on random occasions, and it's the ones people remember, like Memorial, like you say, and it was the workday, wasn't it, that you won in a playoff JT. But the majority yeah. of the time, yet he loses strokes putting. But basically, if he puts well, he wins or almost wins, which is why. I'm going to keep the faith with him this week. Yeah. And I'll, I'll explain that when I get onto my bets. Um, but it's just the the watching him, isn't it? That that grip just looks so awkward. And when he st- stood over it, you just you think it's not going in before he's even hit it. Whereas it just needs to go back to basics. So I'll give Faxon a ring, something. Oh yeah, I, I hate I hate that grip. I can't understand. It looks so yeah, I, I, so awful. All right, so let's. Um... Let's go on to this week uh, in the WGC Workday Championship at Brand in Branderton, Florida, wherever the hell that is, uh, and uh, and and at the Concession Golf Club. And the Concession Golf Club was named after Jack Nicklaus and Tony Jacklin. Um, uh, cons- um, Jacklin was left with about a three foot putt. Uh, uh, to either um, uh, if he if he missed it, they, he lost the Ryder Cup, and Jack Nicholas um, conceded the putt uh, out of sportsmanship, and they and this, and it was actually a draw for the Ryder Cup. So that's the kind of uh, you know, and then they basically went and designed this golf course together, and and in the spirit of their friendship, named the course concession. Now, what's interesting about this is obviously um, no PGA full torn, uh, event has ever been played on this on this particular golf course and it has the reputation as a very very tough test uh, amongst the toughest in in the nation so um there is some um collegiate golf um background as i'm sure you know you've seen and, and i've seen and uh, for anyone who wants to know you know um that, that that collegiate golf um record there was a few players in this field who who were playing in this NCAA Collegiate Championship. Uh, I think it was in 2015. Yeah, for 14 or 15. Uh, and it was won by a young fellow by the name of Bryson DeChambeau. So, um, you know, he'll have happy memories here. And that's an interesting um, angle. But apart from that, oh, and a, and a couple of other, the show flavors in that field, he finished. 40th, I think, and um, Sun Kang, uh, who I don't think is playing this weekend, he was he, he finished second behind um, uh, DeChambeau. So, uh, but apart from that, as I say, there is there's no course form to speak of, so we can't go back and and compare all sorts of course form and history and blah blah blah. Um, but there is um, uh, yeah, there is a little bit of um, what you would say 
they've borrowed a, a few um, holes from similar courses uh, like Augusta, Royal Mel- Melbourne, Royal Troon. Um, so they've taken a lot. Uh, Nicholas and, and, and um, Jacqueline have taken a lot of the horse courses that the holes that they particularly like and tried to kind of embed them in here at um, at concession. So um, it's a behemoth that's seven thousand five hundred yards long. So it's a bit of a monster. Past seventy two uh, and kind of eighteen. Case for 18 miles from the coast of Florida. It's in a kind of a, a marshland, sort of swampy area. There's plenty of water, plenty of thick um, growth of trees, and it, and it twists and turns. Um, uh, there's a great um, guide, so I saw the, the overheads, and it basically it, it, it winds its way left and right uh, through through a, a very sort of deep sort of forested area so looks uh, pretty uh, not for the faint-hearted anyway that's for sure so uh, after saying all of that uh, matt i'm uh, i'm interested to see who you yeah, like for and sure why. i mean for starters looking at the course it gave me a headache this week um i <laughs> i struggled a bit without having the previous um renditions of it um just to have some form to go for and to see how it played to see which stats were the ones that you'd look for um and so all i was left with really was Sort of the the comparative courses, the ones a couple where you've, like you say, there's holes that are based on like Bay Hill and PGA National where the Hondas held um, places like that. And the fact it's a Nicholas design, it's a tough, inverted commas, major-like event, um, major-like course that's going to play long, Mm. it should play tough. Um, But the thing that, that got me most when I was looking at course previews and things like that was the greens. And the greens seem to be enormously big green complexes with with various different shelves and levels on the greens. Uh, but more than that, I quite like this in a golf course. They've got very, very, very um, short shaved runoffs so that if you hit the green in the wrong place, actually your ball's not going to stick on the green at all. And it's going to go down in the little collection areas, which I like because it lets me lets me target my, my bets towards golfers who are really good on approach, who if they stick it close enough, they're going to have a much easier task uh, than last week for perhaps compared to golfers who who are hitting it to 30 feet away because 30 feet this week might well turn into sort of a chip over a bunker from 25 yards um, or just run away onto a different shelf for the green. So I think the course will reward accuracy um, on approach, um, which I quite like. Um, I'm going to get into some bets. Um, I, I like a couple in some side markets, which I'm going to get onto. I've not put up many in side markets on here before, um, but there's a couple that I quite like. Um, bet number one this week is Patrick Reed. Now, Patrick Reed, I said to you before, farmers at tough courses back Patrick Reed, um, and I'm going to live by my own advice. Um, he's paid me back for that one, so so I've got some money to back him with. Um, I really like his makeup. Um, obviously, he won at Farmers, and he's not played since. Um, and for that, the bookies seem to have forgotten about him. He was 14th named down on the odds board, which I found astounding um, because one, that's lower than his world ranking at the moment. Um, and it's a tough course that I think he'll play well on. But in his absence, people seem to have forgotten about him or maybe he's just not a popular pick. Um, but he he's 40th um, around the green, but actually last year he was 20th. And in the big tournaments, he turns up and he's just excellent. Um, you saw him at Farmers sort of give a bit of a, just a show off of his, of his short game, sort of hitting it to a couple of feet and getting up and down. He comes to the foreign mm. big events mm. um, and at tough courses, I like to play Patrick Reed. Um, so a man who's won on his last start, had three weeks off to prepare. He's not been playing at the, the party that was in Phoenix. He's not been to Genesis. He's All he's been thinking of is WGC. Let's get ready for, for the event in Florida. Um, I've had a couple of looks at the, the WGCs he's played in the past. 
Um, and out of the last six WGCs he's played, he's only finished out the out the top twelve once. He's finished T eight first, um, T forty seven at St Jude, then T seven, T twelve, T ten. I mean, it's a pretty solid makeup in the shorter field events. Uh, and to look at some corollary courses, um, obviously he run at Torrey, which was a really tough one. He was T thirteen at Wingfoot, which I didn't use as a comparison, but shows he can play a long course well. Um, and then he's finished T twenty at Memorial, um, T fifteen at Bay Hill, like he's. It just plays well at tough venues. So I think 30 to 1 is an absolute steal. And to be honest, I've been surprised that that number hasn't gone down that much this week. Um, maybe because everyone's bets are elsewhere. Mm. But at 30 to 1, I think it's a great bet. Um, and yeah, I'm surprised he's not lower. My next bet is Harris English. Um, and because there's not a lot of form to go for in terms of what, what strokes game things might look good here, I just think it's a really big price. I got Harris English at 60 to 1. Um, and looking at the corollaries, he's had a T13 at Memorial, T17, T12 at Honda, at um, PGA National, T9 at Bay Hill. So he plays these tough ones quite well. He's not played in many WGCs because he's only sort of risen up those rankings sort of in the last year or so. But if you look at his recent form too, um, he's finished in his last in his last seven events. He's finished T6, T5, T1st, first, first, T34, and then two miscuts. But his last miscut was a couple of weeks ago so. Um, he's had some chance to put whatever went wrong um, in Phoenix and, and the week before, right? Um, and he's just got the best all-around game at the moment. He is, in last year, in the last year, he had a full makeup of stats. Um, he actually was better than T25 in all aspects of his game. So he's not got any weaknesses. Now, he's not enormously long off the tee, which worries me a little bit. But I just don't understand why he's priced like that. And I'm more than happy to find out um, whether he's put it right in his week off um, on the back of that. Um, my next one is returning to Mr. Colin Morikawa. Now, maybe it's me throwing bad money after bad money, um, but he's third in approach last week. He hit his irons brilliantly. Um, he's really good around the green normally. Now, he didn't get up and down well at the Genesis, but he is a good around the green player. Um, and I need to talk about his Sunday round. His Sunday round with the putter was the most horrible round I think I've ever seen. He lost seven and a half strokes on the green, which meant if he'd put it to field average, he would have finished probably fifth or sixth um, after his terrible start. Um, and he actually gained strokes with the putter in the middle two rounds. So this promise there, um, and we've talked already about his horrible grip and the, the strokes on the greens. But I think he's he makes up really well. He's won at a Nicholas Design at Memorial when he won the work there. Um, he won the PGA Championship, which was on another tough course. Um, and he's won. He also played well at the, the Charles Schwab as well. Um, and he's gaining strokes put in when he wins. So if you look back through Colin Murakawa's history of his tournaments, he loses strokes most weeks. But in the, in, the, in the weeks where he puts well, he either finishes first or second. It's ridiculous. If you look at 2020, I think he gained strokes put in in four events out of about 20. In those events, he finished first, first, third, and about 20th, which is just obscene. And I think if he's done anything this week, he's practised putting because he was horrendous last week. So at 45 to 1, it might be me making a mistake, but I'm more than happy to take a chance on those approach numbers and just hoping for that week where he puts well. Um, back to Bermuda this week from Poana. Mm. Um, so maybe the change of greens, although he's historically not great on Bermuda, the change might do him good after his after his horror show. Um, and then I have a bit of a long shot for you. Um, and it's a name that you'll, we've talked about before, and it's Gary Woodland. Um, now, it's going to be a half-point bet for me because it's Gary Woodland and it's at the moment. But 
at the Genesis, he was first off the tee. Um, he was the best driver in the field. And we already know he's he's prodigiously long when he when he wants to get going. Um, he was 12th tee to green at, at the yeah. Genesis. And you wouldn't expect so because he missed the cup. Similar to Colin Morikawa, you'll see the theme in my golf bit. And I like people who can't put, apparently. Um, um, but he, he could not <laughs> buy a putt over Thursday and Friday. But the rest of his game was in really good nick. Um, he's finished um, T5th and T22nd the last two times he played Memorial, um, which is a Nicholas design. And he's 160 to 1. I had to look twice when I saw it. And I understand that he's been out of form for a long time. But there's been glimmers. Um, and to be honest, I might be playing for the places, perhaps. Um, I'm not sure he can actually win the event. But at 160 to 1, I just think it's worth the price. This is a US Open winner we're talking about who's leading the green with his driver, which will make this course a lot easier than if people aren't playing well off the tee. Um, so I'm taking a chance on Gary Woodland. Um, I might regret that, as I say. Um, but I've taken a chance because he can put, last year where he played enough rounds, um, he was 38th in putting. This year he's 200th. But if he can get back to that 38th, gaining strokes putting and maintain his form off the tee and on approach, he won't be far away. Um, but there's only one way to find out. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? Yeah, I think we, we talked about Woodland a couple of weeks ago where he, uh, I, I told you, I think, about the interview he had after. He's had a very prolonged injury um, delay uh, where he had a, a, some, some problems with um, uh, with some hip sort of uh, hip flexor um, issues and uh, and he, he couldn't play without pain for a long time and he took an extended time off and, and he's finding his way back now uh, and he was saying the I think a couple of weeks ago I mentioned he said I was like he was so happy he could have nearly cried because he said it's the first time I've ever for the last few months been able to play pain-free uh so the rehab has worked the extended layoff has has worked and now he's finding his way back to form and i think Mm -hmm. that's why he's 160 to one because i'm not sure i think the market is basically saying uh, there's still a little bit of ring rust on on gary woodland there's obviously he's a classy player i I like woodland too and uh he's he's got bags of class he hits it straight and he hits it long but i think He's just still a little bit ring rusty, and uh, but it's the like you say, it's uh, if you catch him at the right time before the you know, if you've caught the the, the jump on the field and uh, and, and you catch him when he's and this course will suit Gary Woodland because it, it, it's it's brutally long, so that'll that's in Woodland's wheelhouse. So if you catch him at the right time, 161 could be. Lovely money, um, even for you know if he runs into a place, that's fantastic money for um, for a U.S. Open champion. Let's be and you know let's be honest about it. Um, that was no fluke. He's uh, I don't think that'll be the last time he contends in a major. So um, yeah, I think uh, that, those are very interesting picks. What did you say? Um, um, I got him at sixties. I think he's fifty fives. I'm just having a look down odds checker. Um, I was just surprised when I saw that price. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, um, thank you for those. Uh, and um, uh, as I say, there's lots of different markets you can take. And, uh, you know, uh, just so anyone who's listening who wants to kind of, you know, there's, there's top 20 markets and all sorts of different markets in play. So, you know, these are just uh, what we're sort of playing and um, uh, just as a bit of a recommendation, a bit of a guide, or, um, you know, you can choose to think for sure. Yeah, just, sorry, and go your own I, way. Yeah. Um, um, I found an interesting market today, yeah. just while you're talking about side markets. Um, I say found, it's something I'd looked at before, but 
Um, yeah. It's on Skybet, and it's on um, and maybe available at Star Sports too. Um, and it's without the big six betting, um, which I thought was interesting this week. In a small field, if you get rid of the top six in the market with Johnson, Ram, yeah. McElroy, Shoffley, Thomas and Cantley, if they weren't in the field, prices would look very different. Um, and there's a market that if you back without those, you can back Patrick Reed 20 to 1, which is only 10 points shorter, and that's without the the vast majority of the top of the market, which I got him at 30s. I think he's 28 now. But for the sake of eight points, with the more chance of win equity, I didn't think that was a bad bet at all. Um, and it might be something I have a little side bet on. Yeah, so, so that bet you're saying there, Matt, is let's say that... Um, so he he is finishing uh, wherever he... Fin- let's say Dustin Johnson wins or what have you. You're saying that... That, that you take away those those yeah so it's um, without top the top six, six so wherever they finish um, if top, yeah so if they so if they finish uh, wherever they finish what have you um, if Patrick Reed is the best player um, uh, minus those guys in the yeah field, for sure and in an event like this you might finish correct? fourth if the top three are McElroy Shoffley and Johnson you still get out as a winner um, which is really quite decent yeah. and you can still get five places yeah. on that too so it probably backs up to similar to these seven players outright offers. But if the big players play well in the events, it gives you a bit of insurance, which I always quite like. Yeah, I, I think that's a very good shout. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to run you through my uh, four bets. Uh, as as I always say, my uh, I, I, I don't go for short price. Um, more often than not, maybe sometimes I'll go for one, but out of my four, three are always um, a, a, at least a bit longer. Uh, so uh, because I'm always hunting for value, um, that's, I make no apologies for that. That's always the way I've done it. So I uh, my my top bet is 110 to one shot this week. I've I've gone kind of wild. I was a bit like you, Matt. I'm this has given me a bit of a headache. This um this this uh, this competition, this tournament, because there's no course form. It's, they've never no one's ever played it apart from some guys played it at high school, college, uh, you know, a few years ago. I uh, think you know they've all changed since then. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and it's an international field. It's WGC. Um, there's it, it. Really, it made it was a bit of a head scratcher. Um, but I've I've pretty I've worked out. I'm fairly happy with who I've ended ended up on. So my first pick is Rasmus Hogard at 110 to one, and I'll tell you why I've picked him. Um, he is. He knows how to win. He's, he's. You know. He's a young Danish player on the European tour. He's won twice on the European tour already. He's only 19 years old. He turns 20, and I think on about the 12th of March. So, um, it, you know, he's um, he's not even 20, and he's won twice on the European tour. And I don't care how uh, how how inferior people feel European tour is to the USPGA. That's some going. Um, he he's long. He's he averages um, actually is uh, well inside the top ten on the European European PGA Tour on driving distance. He averages about a three hundred and ten yards off the tee, so he's plenty long enough. That's fine. He's uh, he's inside the top ten on shots gained off the tee, and and he's inside the top ten in overall stroke average across the year. So the guy is 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 a solid, a, more than solid. He's a very talented young player, and I think one hundred and ten to one for a guy where I think I don't I just 
think the bookies have thought he's coming over to America, it's going to be too hard for him, and he's going to struggle. And that very well may be the case, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to back him to say that he actually does does all right in 110 to one. Um, if he comes in even into the places, I'll be I'll be very happy. So he, he so he started the year solidly with good performances in Dubai and Saudi, and I think. I think he could open a few eyes here in this American market, uh, in this American audience. I think they'll go, "Who's this kid?" You know, I think I think he could uh, he could turn a few heads this week. My next bit is uh, Patrick Reed. I agree with you. I, I, I actually, I, I when you picked him the other week to win at Tory Pines, I, I kind of went away and, and kicked myself a little bit because I, because of all the same reasons that you said, I agree with them all. He plays hard courses well. He, uh, he he likes the challenge. He likes the shape of ball. Um, he's fantastic around the greens. Uh, you know, there's no one much better than Patrick Reed. Uh, you know, around the greens and with a putter in his hand. Um, he he he's had a couple of weeks off. He'll be sharp for this. He likes WCGC events. He, um, uh, you know, he he likes going for eagles on par fives. He's very good with uh, if he gets uh, uh, driving well and he's on the um, fairway on his second shot in par fives. He more often than not hits exceptionally good second shots um, from distance and ends up on the dance floor looking at a possible eagle. Maybe it might be from distance, but he's more often than not on the dance floor on uh, for his eagle part and and I think um, that could that could serve him well here uh, so I'm 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 with you I, I, I'm expecting good things from Patrick Reed this week at 30 to one so I'm going to go with you on that Tony Finau, I'm going to go back no well, not go back to Tony because I actually I've been back Tony Finau many times but I'm seeing something in Finau now where I I uh, I think he was unlucky last week. He had his chance to win it, and he, and he, you know, and we've talked about that. But I think that Tony's looking as solid with the putter as I've ever seen him look. This course will suit Tony Finau down to the ground because you're going to have to, you're going to have to belt the skin off this for four rounds, for four days. You're going to have to be long, and Tony Finau is long just so easy he doesn't even get it halfway back up his swing and he's belting it out over 300 yards you know like he's, he has like a half swing and hits it 300 plus yards easy he's nice and straight he's nice and long he's got great uh you know he's got his stats are are incredible this year uh and um uh, you know he's top 10 for uh, for strokes gained approaching the green uh, and overall scoring average i He's been second, you know, so many times that we almost lost count. And I just, and, and at twenty to one, it's it's a bit short. But I think that this will be a brutal test for four days. And I think that Tony Finau has got the tools to cope with it. And I think he'll be there come Sunday. And my last bet is a real <laughs> loosener. It's a real wide one. Um, but and it's Laurie Cantor at 125 to one, and the reason I like Laurie Cantor is because he's a player on the European tour. He's he's kind of come up on the radar in the last um, in the last 12 months. Uh, he's been vying he's been vying for the lead in a, in a couple of PGA Tour events. Uh, he's been he's got right down to the wire a couple of times. He he he's he's plenty. He's, he's fine in terms of distance off the tee. He he's, he's ranks quite highly in distance off the tee uh, in the European PGA Tour or European Tour. His his, uh, his strokes gained tee to green uh, are very good. His scoring average is good. And at 125 to one, I'm just going to go and I'm just hunting for a bit of value. And I think Laurie Cantor has has 
shown me in, in, in a string of high leaderboard finishes on the European Tour this year that uh, he could be valued at 125 to one uh, to run a place. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go and bit of a loose that's a, on that one. It's a brave so, encounter. I think I might be one I might consider um, first round leader. Um, my worry is I think. For me, he's brilliant on the Euro Tour. He's a bit of a resort course killer. He goes so low sometimes. Um, but I'm really interested to see how he takes to the to the PGA Tour. Yeah. The same for, um, well, it's not PGA Tour, it's a WGC, but the same for Hogard. Um, like I say, they've both been, at times, looked absolutely inspirational on the European Tour. So really interested to see how they make out. Um, I'm going to revisit yeah. for one of my side market bets, um, your favourite Aussie. Um, I'm going to go to Cam Smith. Um, yeah, in the, the top yeah. Aussie, um, I looked at top him Aussie too. Cam Smith. Yeah. And when you look at the top Aussie market, it's not deep. There's not not a load of golfers in it. Um, you've got Adam Scott, who might be a bit of a threat. You've got Leishman, who has been hit and miss with his form. Um, and then a couple of uh, lower-ranked guys. Um, so I think Cam Smith at 10 to 3 is actually a really good bet for top Aussie. Um, I quite like that. Um, I think it's a, yeah, a decent bit of value. So yep. there's Jason Day in there as well. Um, but the rest are our Euro imports with Lucas Herbert, Jason Scrivener, Wade Ormsby, Minwoo Lee, Brad Kennedy, who I'd be very surprised if any of them troubled the scorers um, this week. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep an eye on, on, on Cameron Smith in play because if, if he starts well and he, because he was swinging it so sweetly uh, at Riviera, if he has got the same momentum and, and, and swing rhythm and plane that he had last week, I might I might jump on him and play because uh, I'm scared of um, I'm scared of Cameron Smith, um, uh, you know, going well and, and leaving me behind. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep a very close eye on that guy. Yeah. And I think your um, top Aussie my, bet, my, my last um, bet is a very good shout. Deep with the bets, yeah. but I've had a look at these side markets and I don't mind them. Um, what do you make of the top Englishman market? Um, who would you say was? Well, I mean, Hatton's gonna be favourite. Who would you put? Favorite in that market. I'm looking at the odds, so it's easy for me. Um, I, I looked at Tyrrell Hatton in the tournament, and I uh, and I uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he if he goes very well. Um, but um, he, I, I'm not I'm not particularly swayed by anyone. Else. So, so I like you tell me who, who you, um, you no, like look off. My my worry is it is a long course, but I mean Riviera's not that short let's be honest it's got as long as any um and obviously hatton's favorite in that market yeah. we've got tommy fleetwood who's not been great on the pga tour um he's had some okay finishes but hasn't been hasn't been brilliant at all in his last few performances and then matt fitz who seems to be a bit of a man in form um and i thought he was really good um he puts brilliantly um and he's 92 in the top englishman market you've got like you say Cantor and sullivan and rye over from the euro and then the only other two people in it are rose and westwood so I don't mind him at all at nine to two in that market. I'd have him second favourite behind Hatton, uh, closer to seven to two, three to one. So happy to take a bit of Matt Fitz at nine to two. Yeah, Matt Fitz uh, as a player that I, I've kind of drives me a bit mental because um, uh, I've, I've backed him before and I've watched him kind of squander um, leads and shots <laughs> and and I don't like his demeanour. A bit of a grumpy. Grumpy old get round the course, you know, uh, and um, I don't know. I, I've t- do you know how we talked about this a few weeks ago? How you kind of sometimes you take a little bit of a uh, a side against the golfer through personality or what have you. Um, and and Matt Fitzpatrick is someone that I've because he's a that I don't like very much for some reason. You know? up here. It's all right. 
<laughs> possibly. Um, so, okay, well, look, thanks very much, Matt. I really appreciate your time and your insights once again. It's always good to talk to you and, and, uh, and sort of get a, a play on, on what you're looking at for the week. I'm really looking forward to watching this tomorrow. Uh, it starts, I think, about 4 o'clock on Sky Sports. So, um, yeah, I hope everyone's enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, sure. Good luck for the week. week. See you next week. See how we wash up.